I want to get into, right into the message today. We'll try to use our, our time as wisely as we can, because I think this is a really important topic, one that we won't, uh, we'll just scratch the surface today on this topic, and as I begin to research for it, I realize this is huge, man. This is, we, we need a whole, we need a whole seminar or, or a series on being a disciple in the digital age. Uh, the rules have, I mean, uh, now the rules haven't changed, but a lot of things have changed. And uh, as far as what we're experiencing. So today I want to focus on parenting in the digital age. We're going to start with the scripture, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. I, I suppose you have no idea why I would use the word discipline when it comes to uh, dealing with the, the devices. You know, the Bible says that we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. So I Oh, where's my cell phone? I meant to bring my... Let me have your cell phone. I need, I need a cell phone for a prop right now. I, I gotta, I'm going to check your screen time to see how much you, you've been... And then ask how much you've been reading the Word this week. But um, uh, this, this device is not one of Satan's devices, by the way. That, that, Paul didn't, they didn't have devices when Paul wrote that, those words about Satan's devices. But um, we could certainly think so sometimes, right? No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So hold up your cell phone. Everybody hold up your cell phone. You have more computing power in your hand right now than NASA used when they put the first man on the moon. More in your hand. Let me show you a picture of the first hard drive, which you've probably seen this before. That's the first hard drive that was ever invented by IBM. That had five megabytes of power in it. Uh, you have even the cheapest phone that you would buy has five times, at least five times that amount. And you can have 10,000 times that amount in your pocket. Rick Warren said, the smartphone is the most behavior-changing invention in the history of mankind. Not fire, not the wheel, not the steam engine, nothing comes close to the power of this invention. Why? Well, there's a lot of reasons. You can do, uh, you can do like 10 things with your car. Uh, you can do thousands of things with your phone. Almost every function in your life, you can engage this device, you name it. People once listened to a phone, now they look at a phone. Major change in behavior, really. Like, uh, here's, here's some pictures. Here's some, here's some friends spending quality time together. And uh, here's some other girlfriends spending some quality time together. And here's a family watching TV together. <laughs> And here's a couple in bed. I, I would think they could, they could think of something else to do. <laughs> and uh, there's another picture of the couple in bed. And he, he, he gave him to sleep. In 2019, a guy named Nir Eagle wrote an article in Wired Magazine entitled, The Digital a, the, the, the danger of thinking, here was the title, listen carefully. The danger of thinking we're all addicted to tech. His opinion was telling ourselves that devices and platforms hijack our brains plays right into the hands of big tech, he said. He wrote that in 2019. 
But in 2014, he wrote a book, I'm going to put it on the screen, entitled Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products. Busted. <laughs> right? Uh, now, we're not just going to, we're going to talk a lot about the cell phone today. We're going to talk a lot about the smartphone. But, but believe me, when I say smartphone or cell phone, I'm really, really just talking about being connected to the Internet. So it's, it's not all about this device. But in my research, I found there's, the data is all split up. So uh, I didn't have time to give you data on desktops and everything, so I mainly stuck with data on the smartphone. Uh, I want to frame for you today regarding being a disciple in the digital age, but more importantly, parenting in the digital age. Uh, Susan Pfeffer, you're here, and I, I meant to call you this week, and I just didn't get to it or whatever. I didn't think of it when I needed to call you. But I know it's a, a job. I just want to ask you from the stage as um, a, a leader and principal of a school uh, who deals with students every day. And, and by the way, students, don't hate me today, please. Just don't hate me. Uh, I love you. I care for you. I, I'm going to give you, your parents some advice that you're not going to like, but uh, you don't, don't hate me. Um, how big of a factor, Susan, is the, the smartphone in students' behavior and helping them uh, to become the people they need to be or, or them uh, being moved away from being the people they need to be? I, that's a really clumsy way of asking, but. Very distracting? Because we'd probably never have any, like, bad things happen at the Christian school, right? There's probably... <laughs> nobody ever sends nude photos of themselves or anything, dude? That doesn't happen here, right? Okay, good. <laughs> so, here's the question. Is this device a tool or a master? I'm not here to vilify the tools. I'm not here to vilify the internet. The, the problems that we have, we've always had. The, the things that it brings out in us and the things that we get involved in, we've always got involved in. So don't think, oh, that, that we, we, were, we were holy and pure before we got these. We were, just, we, were just, uh, we were just all following Jesus and it was great. These, no, don't vilify the technology. But we need to, get, we need to understand it. The, the Bible says, and I quote the scripture all the time, the men of Issachar understood the times and knew what to do. And I think we've all been a little behind the times, including myself, in the impact that this, that this uh, 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 technology has had on me. And it's taken me a while to get my, get my balance in handling the, these and, and following Christ as I should with these devices. So imagine if you're uh, 14 or 12 or 11, <laughs> you know? Is this device a tool or master? Are you a master or a slave to the digital age? Do you own the phone, the iPad, and the computer, or do they own you? That's what I want to ask you today. Is Christ your master, or have you replaced him with an idol? And remember, any good thing can go from being good to being God. We need to rid our homes of idolatry. I want to talk about it today. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you can take your phone back, Steve. Thank you, sir. And... Uh, I've been flying with Steve. He uses that phone to, to navigate. He has an iPad, actually, right? You still use an iPad? Both, a phone and an iPad to, to land the plane. First uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, great verse. Someone will say, I'm allowed to do anything, yes, but not everything is good for you. 
I could say that I'm allowed to do anything, but I'm not going to let anything make me its slave. Let's all say that together, that last line. I am not going to let anything make me its slave. The average person spends one hour and 56 minutes on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, and YouTube each day. Oh, TV may still be ahead of social media time spent, but 2016 marked the first time that digital ads overtook TV ads in spending. Here's the amount of time the average will, time per person will spend uh, in their average daily activities during their lifetime, according to the National Bureau of Statistics, about different things. Social media, you will spend five years and four months. Um, eating and drinking, three years and five months. Grooming, one year, so some of you, not that much. <laughs> one year, ten months. Socializing, one year and three months. Think about that. One year and three months of your life socializing compared to five years, four months on social media. Um, uh, laundry, six months. <laughs> and some of us don't spend that much on laundry. <laughs> I can't resist a, a laugh, you know. You will spend 11 years looking at your smartphone. That's the average person. Now, don't get crazy with that because it's replaced a lot of things that we used to do. A lot of things you would go look at other things. Now you, it's all in your phone. But think about it. Three things I want to impress on you. Three things. I want to impress you. Number one, when it comes to parenting, you're not fighting your child or technology. Number two, there's a challenge in you, the parent, not just a pastor, not just a youth pastor, not just, not just your teachers, even if it's a Christian school. You, as a parent, must show up for the challenge. Number three, lead with love. And your goal, this is so important. I hope I get time to, to really deal with it properly. You, your goal is to discipline the heart, to lead in love and discipline the heart. So number one, you're not fighting your child or technology. You're fighting for your child and harnessing the power of technology. That's what you're fighting for. They need to be technologically skilled, and they most, almost 99%, 0.9% likely will be more technologically skilled than you are. But you want them to be tech. I remember when Jay would play video games as a kid, I never felt like he should stop playing video games. I felt that was an important activity for him to play video games as long as we kept it under control, the right kind of video games, and, and, uh, and guarded the time. Kids need to... We, I'll get into that later. We need to get out and play. We all know that, right? In fact, I'm going to try not to give you a bunch of stuff that I know you already know. You know, not, not, the, not that what I'm going to say you don't already know, but, you know, the things that are out there and just really out there like your kids need to get out and play, I hope, I hope you already know that, right? Right? Uh, Listen to this. Nicholas Cardaris from his book, Glow Kids, writes this following story. Listen, please. I'm going to kill you while you're both asleep, the wild-eyed 13-year-old girl said as she flailed and kicked her father before biting his arm. This was the second time in less than a week that Heidi had flown into a violent rage because her parents had taken away her Chromebook and her access to social media. 
It would also be the second time that, they would, that she would be taken to the psychiatric emergency room. When her parents, John and Melanie, first called me for help, they described Heidi as a sweet, happy, loving girl whose teachers had always declared their favorite student. With a tendency to gravitate toward overachievers, she loved playing soccer, hiking, and taking mountain bike rides with her dad. The man she bit, John and Melanie, were supportive suburban New Jersey parents with college degrees and their own tech business were blindsided by Heidi's social media addiction. It all started when she came home in the seventh grade with a Chromebook that the school had given her. Over the course of a year, John and Melanie saw their daughter transform from a sweet, innocent girl who loved spending time with her parents into a sexualized, foul-mouthed, and violent terror. And sadly, she became a girl in need of psychiatric treatment. Erwin Lutzer tells the story of parents who whose, uh, they suspected their young boy, I forget his age, I think he was 13, they suspected he really wasn't doing his schoolwork because his grades were starting to slip. And uh, they, they questioned whether he was spending, uh, whether he was going online instead of doing his schoolwork. He assured them, oh no, uh, I, w when I say I'm going to do my schoolwork, I do my schoolwork. So one night they left the house and they set up a video camera. And he had a lot of homework to do. And when they went and watched the video, he had not spent any time on his homework. He spent the entire time, whatever, one, two, three hours, I don't know, playing a video game on the internet. And when they confronted him with the video, he started to cry. And he said, Mom, Dad, I'm so sorry. I'm a, I can't stop. I'm addicted. And... Um, I don't know the rest of the story. I'm sure they got help, and I'm sure they did something about it. But that's the power of this device. And um, it's, um, it's also, you know, uh, uh, there's a new way that boys connect with girls. Now, when, when, I was a, when I was a kid in youth group, the way we connected with girls is we would say, uh, can, I take you, can we go to the Dairy Queen? Because <laughs> the Dairy Queen was right across the street from the church. And we, were always, we would always fight to see who could get to the, the, the girls we liked before the other guy got to them to take them over to the Dairy Queen. And, uh, and then the, another way, we, another important thing, uh, connection move would be riding on the bus to the youth rally. And you would try to get a seat by your favorite girl, the girl you were attracted to at the time, which changed frequently. But uh, you, you would try to get a seat by the girl you were attracted to and there was always that moment in the darkness of the, the, the bus ride when you had to yawn, and you did that. And, and you, put, you want to get your arm on the back of the seat, right? And it, if she stiffened up and moved away, you, you knew you, you're, you're done. But if she sort of leaned in, there's hope. See? Now, believe it or not, a very common way that boys show their interest in girls is they send her a text that says, send me a nude picture of yourself. And if she sends a nude picture of herself, she's leaning in, right? And it happens all the time. It happens every day in the world of smartphones and all that. I'm not saying it happens to everybody, but it happens, right, Mrs. Pepper? <laughs> what? It happens even in a Christian school. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just, want you, I just want you to know that, right? So you'll make... 
<laughs> so, well, I don't want to send my kids there. No, well, it's, it's worse, probably worse than public school. So, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not in the public school. So, that's not the point. Uh, hey, by the way, this is not just a young person problem. I want to give, tell you young people this. Erwin uh, Lutzer tells the story also when he's talking about the subject. He was on, I don't know if you know what the eagle's nest is, but that's where Adolf Hitler used to hang out in the Bavarian Alps. And uh, that's where he would go get away and stuff. And uh, they were there. They were on a tour, and they were there. And they talked to an older couple, and they get talking to them about, you know, where they're from and all that. They said, oh, yeah, we were, we, they're older, like, like, old like Steve and I. And the, <laughs> They said, they said uh, yeah, we were married, and we met on Facebook, and we divorced our spouses, and we, got, and we married each other, and now we're on our honeymoon. So, <laughs> so uh, all, all geezers and, and gals also have problems with the internet. I want to encourage you young people about that. Unlike past generations, though, let's just talk about teens again. Teens are most likely to be at home and online than they are out running around. When I was a kid, I could tell you that story all day. When I was seven years old, I mean, because I lived in a little town called McKinney, Texas, and it was safe, and I would leave the house at seven in the morning. I stayed outside all day. I came home for dinner. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know we can't do that anymore. You can't just tell your kid, your seven-year-old, hey, see you at dinner time at eight o'clock in the morning. Don't do that. That's worse than giving them a smartphone, I think. <laughs> but uh, that's the way it was. Uh, it's not that way anymore. Most teenagers are likely to be at home and online. They're, they're more likely to be secular than religious, religiously affiliated. They're more likely to be lonely and depressed. In fact, there's a very interesting statistic. Uh, uh, in the past, the most lonely group of Americans were age 72 and over. But you know that Gen Z, those born between, age, between 1995 uh, and 2012, are now reporting more loneliness and more depression than people that are over 72 years of age. That is a very telling fact. And Gene uh, uh, Twenge, a psychiatrist or psychologist from, uh, uh, from um, uh, San Diego State University, has written extensively on this and she traces it back to, to uh, she traces it back to, I said 1995, I'm wrong about that. It, 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 it would be 2012 to 2020. That, that, would, be the, that would be the Gen Zers, like we call you. Uh, and she traces it back to smartphones became prevalent in 2012. Almost everybody began to get a smartphone in 2012. She traces it back to this isolation that this is causing us. But between 2012 and 2015, depression among boys, according to her, rose 21%. Girls, 50%. Um, 46, 46, 46% more teen boys between 15 and 19 committed suicide in 2015 than in 2007. And two and a half times more girls committed suicide. Uh, suicide now among Gen Zers has has risen higher than homicide. It's the first generation where there's more, more young people killing themselves than killing one another. There's a whole, there's a whole uh, uh, body of material about this, and it's, 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 it's frightening. Listen to what 1 Peter 5.8 says. Remember, I said you're not fighting your kid. You're fighting for them. 1 Peter 5.8 says who you're fighting. 
Be sober, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone whom to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. There's a lot in that verse, right, for us today. We're fighting the devil. We as parents, we're fighting together. We're all in the same fight. You teenagers are in the fight. You're in the fight too. And, and we love you and we care about you. That's why I'm preaching the sermon today. I want to I start a conversation here at Bethany Community Church. It's just going to start today. And we want to continue it through the months and years to come. And we want to get better and better and give you better tools and have more conversations about being a disciple in the digital age and raising your kids in the digital age. Erwin Lutzer, who I quoted before, said this. Behind technology stands Satan, who says this territory is mine. These addictions belong to me, and I will fight for every single inch. We are in an an incredible battle, so you have to prepare yourself as a parent, or as parents, hopefully because you are up against an enemy. And unless you and I realize the depth of battle, we're going to naively turn the other way, like many parents do, blinded, deliberate blindness, by the way, turning away and pretending that if I don't know what they are doing, I hope everything turns out okay. We used to sing a song, I went to the enemy's camp and took back what he stole from me. My challenge to the church today and my challenge to parents, my challenge to myself, let's go into the enemy's camp and let's take back what he stole from us. Amen? I mean that in my heart. So secondly, the second thing I want to talk about in this idea of parenting in the digital age, so there's a challenge, God and God needs parents to show up. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Proverbs, let's give you some scripture to back, to back it up. Proverbs 18, 14, For everyone belongs to me, the parent as well as the child, both alike belong to me. Isaiah 38, 19, Each generation tells you of your faithfulness to the next. That's our responsibility as parents to pass God's faithfulness on to the next generation. Deuteronomy 11:18. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Write them in the doorpost of your house and on your gates so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to your ancestors. Wow. This verse says nothing about your child going to heaven when they die. It's about your children flourishing in the land. It's about their lives in the here and now. We need to get over this idea that a parent has done their job if they get their kids to the BCC kids program or the youth program so they can get their salvation vaccination. God has a bigger plan for their life than just getting them their salvation vaccination so they go to heaven when they die. Somebody say amen. Amen. There are four reasons why too much time on the internet brings us down emotionally and depressed and, and reduces our energy. Number one, we know that the time was not spent well spent or productive. I don't care if you're 14 or you're 24 or you're 34 or you're 66 like me, when, 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 you, when you spend 45 minutes or an hour watching videos that had nothing to do with anything productive, you know, cute cat videos, 
you know at the end of that you don't feel better about yourself because you just spent an hour doing something that was not productive and didn't change anything and didn't help your life or anybody else's. Not, I'm not saying you shouldn't take a break and watch cute cat videos. By all means, watch a few cute cat videos if that, if that floats your boat, okay? Secondly, I'm talking about why, why the internet, why computer use, too much computer use brings us down. We have a psychological drive for novelty. That's another thing. In fact, psychologists, psychologists have a name for it, neophil, neophilia. We have, we have, a, we have a psychological uh, uh, need for, for new things and new ideas and new forms of entertainment. We have a psychological need for that, but the internet gives us an overload it's an overload of novelty, and it's mentally exhausting. It's like a chocolate addict in the Willy Wonka chocolate factory. It's like, a, it's, like a, it's like an alcoholic in a liquor store. It overloads, and so it wears you out. It, it, it's too much. It's more images coming at you faster than your brain can handle. And In fact, they tell us, so the research now is saying, avoid screens before you go to bed, and you'll sleep better. And it's really true. I've tried it out myself. And if I avoid my iPad or my phone before I go to bed, I, I can tell a difference in how I feel when I lay down. Number three, any social media that builds in an approval reaction produces the foundational chemical response common to all addictions. You know what the common uh, uh, foundational response to all addictions? One, one little thing, one, one chemical. There's other chemicals, but the main chemical is dopamine. Dopamine. And um, it w it, it, it's when you post something on Instagram or, post or Facebook and you get a ping that someone liked it, it without, whether you want it to or not, it produces a shot of dopamine. It hits your brain and makes you want to do it again. I don't know if any of you, I, I'm going to be very transparent, when I post something on Facebook, I've had to figure out how to stop checking back every few minutes to see how many people liked it. You say, well, I, I, you're probably saying, you're terrible. <laughs> you're sick. I'm sure none of you have ever done that, right? No, just me, okay. I, I'm glad I have a place where I can have group counseling. It is just... <laughs> I can share my... Addictions, and you, it's like a big CCR group here on Sunday morning, but I'm, I'm the addict. It's great. It, it, it's, addiction, it's addictive. And, and people don't understand addiction, Scott. They don't understand it. Most people, when they say addiction, they think of drugs and alcohol. That's all they think of. It. Everything has addictive potential. Everything except the good things. Everything except the things that are really best for you. Nobody's addicted to broccoli. <laughs> now, now somebody's going to say, what do you mean? I'm addicted to broccoli. <laughs> but that always happens to me. I have this great illustration. Somebody says, well, I, I'm addicted to broccoli. I had it this morning already. <laughs> Though most of us normal people would rather have an Oreo McFlurry than a big thing of broccoli. <laughs> That's where I go and sin. When I, need, when I want to sin, eat sinfully, I go get an Oreo McFlurry. Uh, I, I was eating too many and I stopped. I'm, I'm doing better. This last uh, few weeks I've done better. But no, you know it's true. You know it's true. It's that, that 
thing of Oreo cookies that Sherry puts in the thing for the grandkids. <laughs> and I'm home studying, walking around. I get up to take a break, walk around. I'm just going to eat a couple, <laughs> three and four, you know. The things that are best for us, and, and, and I, actually, I, I, don't want, I know this is a side trail, but it's what, it's what you should love about God, and you should love about his word. As God, we are led by the Spirit. We are not driven by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not work in the realm of addiction and compulsion. So, so the fact that you have, to, you have to be disciplined to pray and disciplined to come to church and disciplined to pay your tithe should, should tell you the loving nature of your God. That he doesn't, he doesn't make the behaviors that are best for you addictive. He makes them, he gives you a choice. You can lay them, the easiest thing in the world is stop reading your Bible. That's the easiest thing in the world. It's the easiest thing in the world to stop praying. Easiest thing in the world is drop out of church and just get out of the church, go and have it. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? That, that, that these things are compulsions. That's what you've got to watch. That's what you've got to discipline is these things that have compulsion. Uh, let's move on. I want to give you uh, a strategy for parenting in the digital age. And, and, and you know my nature and you know the way I think. And I, I want to give you uh, two quotes and three scriptures for every point I make. I'm going I'm to resist that, okay? So I'm just going to give you, I'm going to give you parents eight or seven or eight um, strategies for this digital age, a lot of it related to the smartphone, but just, just think about it with all media. Some of these things we've done with our kids, but now my kids are kind of out of that, right? Sherry and, 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 and Elise, uh, Elise's phone was connected to Sherry's. So Sherry saw every text, every, every site she visited, everything Sherry saw it. The, the boys that were pursuing her had no idea that Sherry was seeing all their texts. So, <laughs> but uh, we, we, would have like, uh, we would have like a little conference at night talking about, can you believe what he said? Wow. <laughs> and, 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 and Chris, Sherry was, at least was great, man. She never, I, I think she enjoyed it, and, and she just felt protected by us with this uh, thing. And, um, and, she, and, and she turned out okay, right? <laughs> I, I want your kids to turn out good, man. I do. I want that. It's not easy. It's not easy. And and I, I the grace of God, God's been gracious to us. Okay, let me give it to you. Now, first of all, resist the pressure to give your kid a smartphone too soon. Resist the pressure. I don't care if all their friends have one when they're nine. Resist the pressure to give them a smartphone. Too soon. The smartphone is, they're connected to, you know, I don't have to tell you what they're, they're connected to. Everything. I mean, I mean if, if, if some creepy looking person was walking down the street and you needed to go to the grocery store with your, you know, your seven year old was home, but you needed to go to the grocery store, would you, would you yell to the creep, hey, come in here? And, and watch my child. I'm going to be gone for a couple of hours, but would you take care of them? You would never do that. You would never do that. But yet, when you give them that smartphone, you're giving them over to every creep in the world. Millions of creeps. And if you don't, if you don't, if you don't start fighting this battle, 
uh, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. So number one, resist the pressure. Secondly, inside the home, moderate the Wi-Fi. Outside the home, connect without a smartphone as long as you can. Now, uh, I don't know. I'm not technologically very, very savvy, but I, there are people in our church that are. And so if you want some help with, with, with moderating the Wi-Fi in your home, I will certainly connect you with people. Show you that. I, I understand there's a device called a circle device. You guys know about that? I understand there's a device called a circle device, which you can put on your Wi-Fi that will shut your Wi-Fi down if there's inappropriate content that comes across your Wi-Fi. So it's instead of having uh, something on every device, it's on your Wi-Fi. So inside the home, inside the home, you must set up controls. You must, you must, you must. And that's just not just for your kids. It's for for all, everybody, set up controls in your home. Um, uh, Have number... I want to make sure... Uh, yeah, uh, that's later. And I, I, I wanted to make sure I don't leave something out. It's very important. Have open and, when necessary, awkward conversations with your teen about online use. Have awkward conversations uh, about their online... A lot of things, parents, I believe you'll find out if you just talk to them. Like the parents who, who videotaped their kid and then they came home and talked to him about it, he was actually relieved. He was actually relieved that his parents interrupted something that he could not control that was actually making his life miserable. So um, uh, have those awkward conversations. Ask them about their, you know, look at their screen time, all of that. I heard of one family that every Sunday afternoon, all of them, including the parents in this one family, all, they bring all their devices in, 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 after church. They go home, and they lay all their devices out, and they all look at how much time they spend on screens that week. And they all are accountable, including the mom and dad. They're all accountable to one another on how much time they spend on screens. Number, number four, take advantage of the church community. Don't parent alone. I, I see Dave Peterson's here today, and, 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 and Dave is a real techie guy. And I remember when, when the, like Covenant Eyes first came out, Dave, you may remember this. You were coming to a small group at my house, and uh, I had become a Covenant Eyes partner with another guy. And I said, Dave, would you go find, check out for me if someone can get around covenant eyes. And he came back. He had two pages of ways you could get around covenant eyes. And uh, so your, your 12-year-old knows them, by the way. <laughs> it's quiet in here today. Is this a tough subject? Don't parent on What I'm saying is talk to the other members of the church about your children and about cell phone and all of that. Have the, have the people who know more than you over for dinner, feed them a real expensive meal, and say, show me, how to, show me how to set up controls on my computers. Show me how to set up controls on my Wi-Fi. There's, in every, there's somebody in this room right now that's really good at it. Don't, call, don't talk to me, <laughs> but talk to them. Stare, here's the next thing. Number, number six, stair-step technology over the years. Stair-step technology. In other words, it can be like this. You, little, little, uh, just a preschooler, they get a tablet that don't, doesn't connect to the Internet, but it can get color on it or whatever. And then at some point, uh, they can, uh, you have an iPad with limited use. <clears throat> um, um, I, I heard of... Uh, 
I forget her name. Uh, she, she, she was married to Alex Rodriguez, uh, Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez, uh, when her twins were 11 years of age, they got an iPad. They got to use an iPad one day a week. And that was only if they had been good. And so, stair step. Then, then get them a dumb phone. You know, they got these phones that can only call six people. Because one of the reasons, after, there's a point where you want your kid to have a phone, so you want to be able to reach them. Because we're, we're so mobile now. We're all over the place. And uh, they're so mobile, you want to be able to reach them. They want to be able to call you. So that's no problem. You can buy a dumb phone that, that will call six people. And, uh, and they can call six people, and you can, you know, you, you, you can be one of the six. And don't buy them a dumb phone and not be one of the six that they can call. <laughs> um, so stair-tap technology. I'm not saying exactly that I know the age you should hand them a smartphone. I'm not saying I know the age. I, I, certain ages, I would say, oh, dumb parent, smartphone. <laughs> you know? but, uh, but, I, but it's so quiet in here. I think I may get fired today. Uh, <laughs> Because uh, you've got to face your kids when you go home. Don't you dare listen to that pastor. Uh, to be given a smartphone is to be a graduation. And, and failure to use it responsibly must be a step back from that graduation. If and when you feel you must give your teen a smartphone, don't let it be their phone. Most likely, they're, they're not going to buy it, right? You have to buy it. So when you hand it to them, say, this is my phone. I'm going to let you borrow it. You're going to borrow dad's cell phone, okay? And if you don't use it responsibly, uh, I'm, uh, we're, we're going to have consequences. It's a loan, and tell them this. It's an experiment. Mom and dad own the phone. By the way, don't embarrass them in front of their friends by announcing this. Don't be silly. Don't be, don't be goofy. And tell your friends, it's not his phone. He thinks it's his phone, but it's not his phone. Be kind to your kid in public. Make them feel cool. It's hard enough being a kid when you have a parent who embarrasses you all the time. All right? Write out, here's what... In my research, I found this idea, and I really highly think it's, I think it's a great idea, Pastor Steve. Write out a smartphone contract. It can, it can have things like this. Phones will be charged in mom and dad's room from 7 a.m., 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. I don't think you should let your kid take the, any devices to their room at night. I think that's, that's insane. This phone is not to be jailbroken or hacked or to be bypassed or to bypass parental control. That's in the contract. No apps are to be added without parental approval. Once a week, we look at screen time together. I'm just saying, these are some ideas for your contract. First violation, mom and dad take their, their phone back for a week. Second violation, mom and dad take their phone and act, deactivate it for a month. Third violation, the smartphone experiment comes to a halt and you go back to a dumb phone. See, authority. See, you're teaching your child that authority equals responsibility and responsibility equals authority. This is an experiment to see if your kid is mature enough to handle technology. The contract is an opportunity for the teen to exercise growth and responsibility. 
Though, and then the next thing I will throw up there, and I'm trying to get, bring this to a close today, is keep building the church. Don't go off and just gather your little family around you. you we need each other. Last, lead with your child's future in mind, especially as it relates to digital devices and online behavior. Studies have shown that young adults who were most disciplined with the internet, phone, and social media engagement were pre-law and pre-med majors. Why? They have bigger vision for their lives than being stars on fake social media drama. Or going to the next level on Fortnite. Or the joy of cute cat videos. A lady this week told me, she's studying, uh, 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 continuing her medical education. She said, I took Facebook off my phone because I couldn't stop going on Facebook while I was studying. See, she has a bigger vision. What's taking her off Facebook? If you want to just take your kids off of all the social media by telling them how awful it is, that's a bad strategy. The best strategy is I have a big vision for your life. I see you as being a major, and, 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 and don't get caught up in all the peer drama that goes on in their lives when they're 14 and 15 and 16 years of age. And then 10 years from now, it's not going to matter where they're going to be in their life. 10 years from now, the peers aren't even going to be there. Finally, lead with love. And disciple the heart. First Corinthians sixteen fourteen says, "Let all that you do be done in love." I'm going to have to close with this. There's a lot more here, but I'm going to have to close, so I will. Let, let me close with this thought, though. We cannot boil technology down, technology ethics down into blanket prohibitions. Apostle Paul dealt with that. And sometimes we want an Apostle Paul or a pastor to boil ethics down to slogans. In the New Testament age, there was this pressure to do that, to return to how Colossians 2.21 puts it, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. This is not how Christian ethics works. Not touching a smartphone doesn't make you more holy. Not downloading TikTok videos doesn't make you more righteous. Disciplining the heart in the digital age is what you want. It is harder because it moves from legislating behaviors when they are young to disciplining their appetites in their teen years. This is so important. But I want you to know something. Parents, we're going to win this battle. I said, parents, we're going to win this battle. God is on our side. James Stewart wrote in 1940, as the world seemed to slip into madness and war. He said, for the darkness in which we walk is not impenetrable gloom. And the night, thank God, he said, has stars. The darker the night, the clearer the stars. The psalmist writes, light dawns in the darkness for the upright. Let me, let me close with this encouragement from Psalms 112. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. They do not fear bad news. 
They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. The wicked will see this and be infuriated. (laughs) Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. I want to pray for you as parents. This is a hard job. We're not here to put condemnation on you. There's going to be failures, guys. Some of you are going to do, do everything I've suggested, and you're going to still find that your wonderful young person has gotten into an area that is going to grieve your heart. Don't be despair. Don't be despair. Don't give up. Don't become angry. Don't become abusive. Love, 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 love. Love is the greatest thing that there is. But believe and trust God. I'm going to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for parents today who had this enormous task and young people who had this enormous tool put in their hands, a tool that does so much good and has so much potential for good but also has great potential for evil. Lord, remind us that Satan has always and the world has always been successful at choking out the Word of God from our lives. This is not a new thing. But you have always showed us the way through the wilderness, and you will do it again in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, folks.